Hi, this is Momodoro with Life Expansion After 50 Podcast. This is a special edition. You may recall or have heard me talk about introducing seven fitness areas. And the reason I wanted to set the stage before doing that, I feel like the way Copernicus and Galileo must have felt when they were explaining that the earth actually revolves around the sun, not the reverse. So this way we have an on-ramp to get to the introduction, which I'll do at episode 25. I've got a couple more to unpack just with the success principles mapped to the unconscious and involving the neuroplasticity. And then once I get the seven fitness areas, that'll be a good time to do a live Q&A. I'll schedule a couple of live Q&As for the different time zones, just in case there's any other questions, because after that, I'm going to get into the Personal Leadership 2.0. So this is a good time to share the podcast with anybody you think might be interested. I think this special edition will be a good one for them to see if they're even interested moving forward. And then from there, we'll unpack a couple of more success principles to the unconscious. We'll work through the seven fitness areas, which will be several episodes because there's seven areas and I'll want to cover each one. And then uh, from there, it's moving on to some other cool projects that we have in store. There are slides that I refer to, but I actually am speaking what the slides say, so it's not necessary to watch the video. But in the event you wanted to, it's on YouTube. It's also on Spotify, the video version, well, will be on Spotify. And it's on the 7fitnessareas.substack.com publication. You'll find the video there as well, if, that, if you so desire. All right, so let's get into it. Hi, I'm Momodoro. Welcome to the 7 Fitness Areas, a resource for leaders and home of the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. This is where I make the case that the second 50 years can be the best 50. Now, it's easy to dismiss some claims by success gurus because they're sometimes presented in a way that makes it seem like there's some woo-woo involved. So in the next seven or eight episodes of the podcast, I'll explain success principles based on the operation of the unconscious. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a spiritual component. I'm doing this to somewhat ground the principles in ways people can understand through the senses and in the context of neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity means the brain we're born with does not have to be the brain we die with. It says the brain is malleable and we can change it. Changing the brain includes changing the associations, which also means you can rewrite your conditioning even if you've lived with it for decades. Here are some data points as a quick review of known information about the unconscious. The following eight statements are broadly accepted by the neuroscience community. The youngest part of the brain is well over 100,000 years old and the oldest part of the brain is over a million years old. This means we're operating with a brain that is structured for the hunter-gatherer tribe environment. Most of our conditioning occurs between the ages of zero to seven. As babies and children spend much of their time in the brainwave states of delta in the beginning and then theta and alpha later, allowing the child to learn at an accelerated rate from its environment. Essentially, like the available knowledge is downloaded without them having to work for it. This makes sense in that a child of that time had to be ready to hunt and gather by the time they were eight years old. Our unconscious is running the show about 95% of the time. This is where the statement 95% of everything we do is done by habit comes from. And habits are largely a result of conditioned associations. Humans have about 100 billion neurons or nerve cells. These neurons fire and wire with other neurons, each interacting with from 1,000 to 10,000 other neurons, which means hundreds of trillions of connections. The unconscious and brain can process at about 11 million bits per second. 
the conscious mind can only process 50 bits per second, and this is why we say the unconscious has the tactical advantage over the mind. Since the unconscious is designed to make sure we survive long enough to procreate, the associations and habits are not necessarily optimized with how we actually live and navigate in the 21st century. The reticular activating system is the gatekeeper deciding what the conscious mind hears and sees from all that the unconscious and brain are processing. The filtering of information and the firing and wiring of neurons is influenced by our beliefs, mindset, priming, state, focus, and emotions. However, neurons fire both ways. So neurons firing can also impact our state, emotions, mindset, and focus. Focusing on one belief over another can have a dramatic effect on one's life. The above points are worth reflecting on because when taken together, one can draw the conclusion that the unconscious is not really a mind at all. It doesn't have original thought like our actual mind does, but rather is the result of trillions of associations. Since the reticular activating system filters out most of what gets processed, we're running the same program day in and day out based on a program from decades ago. This is why the topic of neuroplasticity is so important, especially for people over 50 years old. Not only is the brain a conglomeration of neurons firing and wiring, but it's malleable, so we can change it. We don't have to live with the associations we were programmed with from uh, the ages of zero to seven. This process is called synaptogenesis. Synaptogenesis is a process that directs the formation of synapses between neurons and also helps to maintain and eliminate unused synapses over time. Yes, neurons get wrapped with myelin, which enables them to fire faster and mo with more accuracy, making it difficult to break old habits. But because of synaptogenesis, the synapses between neurons that are not being used gets eliminated. And that's why it's easier to build a new habit or replace an old habit with a new one than it is to break an old one. I also want to comment on this thing we call the mind. If I point to a person and comment that he or she likes or dislikes something or behaves in a certain way, what do I really mean by saying he or she? Am I talking about them? Am I talking about their mind? Am I talking about their personality and behavior? I would argue that the way we actually talk about it, we're possibly making an assumption that the mind is governing their behavior. This is true if you think of the unconscious as a mind, as has been the case for the last several hundred years but it's actually 100 billion neurons firing off associations. So is it really a mind in the sense of our conscious mind, which is a powerful problem-solving entity that goes far beyond the brain? When you separate the mind from the brain, the brain and nervous system are together. If you then believe the unconscious is running the show 95% of the time, you have to also accept that the mind is not running the show other than the 5%. It should be, but it's been hijacked. So back to the he or she. What we're really saying is that their unconscious has them behaving in a certain way, liking and disliking things based on prior associations. Taking this thought a little farther, I'll look at advertising. A basic tenet of writing ad copy is to highlight a pain point, amplify it to the point that the receiver wants to take action, usually buying a product or service. However, in the process of amplifying those pain points, while subjecting the average person to thousands of advertising stimuli every day, are we not creating an environment where anxiety becomes the norm? In other words, while we're fine with having our unconscious conditioned or programmed by advertisers, at the same time, we're content with thinking of the unconscious as our mind, which if you take it at face value, 
you are who you are and there isn't much you can do about it despite knowing you are being manipulated by advertising and conspiracy theories and whatever else takes up residence in our unconscious and brain. That's one version. The other version is the unconscious was initially programmed from the ages of zero to seven, true. But we have the ability to reprogram it by engaging in deep practice, interrupting patterns, and engaging in mindfulness practices to, to create a buffer between the conscious mind and the unconscious. Yes, it takes work, but the time involved can be measured in months. And even if it takes a few years, for me, that's better than living with traits that don't serve me for the next several decades. I'm not asking you to take my word for it. Research the above statements about the unconscious on your own. Formulate your opinion about the validity of the statements and then engage in some critical thinking about what it means if they're true. Meanwhile, if you want to get started, you can head down the path of looking at neuroplasticity, epigenetics, and coherence. If you want to go a little farther, add in HeartMath Institute and their findings about what they call the heart-mind. Meanwhile, in the next few episodes, I'll unpack a few dozen success principles and explain why they work using the workings of the unconscious. As you hear these success principles, I encourage you to consider the inverse of the success principle is basically a nocebo. I talked about this with the positive mental attitude and its inverse, the negative mental attitude. One helps us, the other actually hurts us. So a nocebo can make us worse. I'll leave it here and invite you to check out the podcast. I'll also leave the comments open on this one. I'm interested in hearing your take on things. And I'll see you on the other side.